You're listening to the Counting Lights Podcast with Chris Dubinay and Dan Danzy. Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up. Welcome back to the Counting Lights Podcast. Bam! Now, this is recorded on a... On Saturdays, and this episode, these, these episodes, whether it's a two-part or whatever, these episodes come out Mondays and Fridays. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, Beef, Drugs, and Training Part 2 yesterday, but last night was our Counting Lights comedy show, our very first one. Oak Island's Brewery. At Oak Island's Brewery. Big thank you to everyone at Oak Island's Brewery. All the comics on the show, Paul Varghese, Tony Casillas, Brian Pierce, Tyler Harris, Chris right here doing an amazing job hosting. I did my part. Um, Good job, Dan. You killed uh, Sold out. Sold out. Uh, Wonderful night. You got to the point where I think they had to quit selling tickets online. Yeah, they had to quit at 3 p.m., which is fucking insane and bonkers. Uh, You know... (laughs) As a, as and then a, yes, this we are, we are starting this episode off sucking our own dicks. So just you, well, you listen know, to this for ten minutes. As a as <laughs> as a, a listen, I've run wrestling shows, mm-hmm. you know, and this is probably my I don't know, it's probably my second or third stand up uh, show stand up show that I've uh, been the producer on, and uh, you know, as as you know, as a guy who a uh, little bit of. Perf- perfectionist when it comes to my arts mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying wrestling trying to be a wrestler's wrestler uh you know and the stand-up comedy and and when you're going to produce something i just kind of took what i'd learned in the wrestling business and just kind of flipped it a little bit yeah and so um like there's never enough promotion never and yeah and like it's funny comedy shows in particular i've noticed that the majority of people buy their tickets a day or two before the show mm-hmm. or the day of the show at the door or yeah. at the door now yeah. and uh, so i was sweating it all week i think at the beginning of the week we had we had like maybe uh 40 well, it was like 40 uh, at the... so, so last saturday i said hey how many tickets we have sold and they told me six what? Yes, there were six online tickets already sold. Well, the Facebook last event, Saturday, the Facebook so, event had forty people coming for like a couple. Weeks. Yeah, but that didn't mean. But they, yeah, they didn't go to the pre-Kindle. Right. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so we, uh, so I was sweating it all week, and I overly promoted it, and you know, probably shoved it down everybody's throat on Facebook. Yeah, and, you just bugged the fuck out. So, uh, but man, I mean, the day of, I, I texted. Uh, Ryan, who's a promotions guy over at OHP, mm-hmm. and I said, uh, how, how tickets look? And he's like, 84 sold. Hey, and like, our magic right. number was, was 100. Like, All right, yeah, well, that was my magic number, because yeah. that's that's the, the number that I knew that everybody would be happy, and all the comics would make money, and yeah. we'll make money, and, and you know, so... That's that was the magic number in my head, mm-hmm. where I knew that we we would walk away with money in our pocket. Yeah. So, um, which you know, to me, you know, being in comedy a couple of years, it's not the most important thing. The most important thing to me is the the time on stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, but if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right, and and nobody wants to lay an egg. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I was sweating it. Eighty four sold. Then. Uh, Checked back with him halfway through the day on Friday, and it was over 90. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they told me they were going to have quite a few walk-ups, so they were going to start. They were probably going to cut it off at about 3 o'clock. So. Okay. But, uh, yeah, well, man, that's, it was great. You know, uh, um, 
And, and, and I haven't got the final numbers. Okay. Yeah, I, I know that Ryan told me he'd look it over. They have a big... Yeah, they were fitting people in there near the start of the show. They were trying to... Yeah. They were finding ways to fit... Trying to get to yeah. a couple more... A few more folks in there. And that was that was after we had uh, 100 people in there. Let me say, as someone who's produced shows for many, many years, this is probably the easiest, uh, most comfortable partnership that I've had. And I'm not taking anything away from the other people that I've worked with. But this was so, uh, um, uh, it was less stressful, very less stressful, maybe not for, for you. But for me. <laughs> but you, no, but you stress out, like, very fucking easily. But I think now that you, you've had a couple comedy shows under your belt, yeah, it's you gonna, just got to keep I'm in mind. I'm hoping it's going to get easier because now I know how the ticket sales go. Mm -hmm. Although, it makes me, um, it makes me push. Yeah. You know, like, knowing, okay. A week from the show, I got six tickets sold. Yeah. Makes me push. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's what I want to do as a good promoter and a person who, you know, I mean, my wife told me that, you know, between the wrestling show and the comedy shows, like, you know, it might be, I might have a little bit of a talent here, but it's, listen, it's not what I really want to do. But what I really is, want to do is show up on a, I want to show up to a club on the weekend and do five shows on a weekend. But this is know? how, this is how you get, this is a great way to get your name out there. Right. Not only as a comic, but as when you're promoting your own shows very well, the clubs take notice and the clubs are like, oh, well, he can bring people to our club. Well, knock on wood. So I just. It's listen. not a knock on wood thing. It's good business. Well, what it is you know i was so stressed out and i, I kind of felt like yesterday i wasn't myself you know a little bit i mean no you were yourself until around about oh, 10 30 i was like what's up girl damn they love you all right <laughs> Uh, All right, a, this a is, couple beers. This is not Miller Lite, Chris. <laughs> no man, those, <laughs> whew, those beers at OHB. Go check them out, man. They grab you by the boo boo. Uh, um, but you know, another thing that was a factor that uh, uh, that I forgot about Dallas is that we had to move the show inside because it was like twenty something fucking degrees outside. I'm so glad we did it. But but that's when people in Dallas show up. So when I ran a comedy festival out of the Amsterdam bar, it was like one of the coldest weekends in Dallas. They thought it was going to snow. It snowed the next weekend, but they thought it was going to snow. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had for three straight days in the Amsterdam bar that fits, oh, it fit like 150, no, no, like 70 to 100 people okay. inside, uh, straight up, standing room only, all three days, and then the other clubs in town had to cancel their shows because it was so cold and no one was coming out. Gotcha. So I think when there's just something going on, when it's this cold and miserable, people come, people flock. And I think that benefited us. Again, yeah. we're sucking our own dicks. <laughs> sucking our own dicks here. Well, you know, listen, if we do another one, just check out our comedy shows. I'm just going oh. to completely keep pushing, you know, the, or the relationship with... Oak Collins Brewery, mm -hmm. and I just like. Here's what I really learned last night. Um, I learned that I have a lot to learn. Yeah, yeah, and and the the stress like when I was running shows in the beginning, I did a lot more work, and in the beginning, I I did it a lot by myself, and I would get like you, or I would stress out. 
and everything. But the more and more you do it, you you it's like reading a it's like reading sci-fi uh, books for a long time. You kind of like know what's going to happen next in every scenario. Oh, I only sold six tickets. We only have right, six tickets sold. Right. Oh, well, then this is going to happen. Okay. If yeah. I do this and that, everything will be well, fine. Well, it's funny because it, it did, it followed the same formula it did last time. Exactly. And as long as you, as long as you put the work into it, if you, if you see that only six tickets are sold or whatever and you do nothing, well, then you're just going to have six right. tickets. But, you know, it it's as simple as three or four more Facebook posts about right. the show, right. you know? And I know, Ron, uh, here's what was great, and, and, and I'll recommend this to anybody who is promoting shows. I'll give you a little secret. Um, have a good contact with wherever you're running your show. Mm-hmm. Have a good contact and a good reliable person like uh, uh, like Ryan over at, at O'Connell's Brewery and, and have them use their email list yeah because he was putting while i was promoting on social media he was um that's probably me uh, oh, he, he I was, was like, where's that vibration sorry coming? he was per, that's that's black bart ah oh. <laughs> hold Those on are, okay hold on i'm gonna put him on speaker hey bart hey chris i am so sorry brother that's okay brother it's no big deal what we we can we can reschedule it for uh um, you're on the podcast by yeah the you're way. on we're, the podcast right now we're on speakerphone we're, we're podcasting oh, right, now. Oh, right now <laughs> so that's okay brother no let's do this let's schedule it for next week is that okay for you all right next next Saturday all right yes sir and I'll, right, I'll do so this sorry, that's okay brother I'll I'll contact you uh I'll contact you on Friday and give you a heads up. Righteous. That's okay, brother. Say say hello to everybody on the count. Say say hello to everybody on the Counting Lights podcast, Black Bart. <laughs> say hello. Hello to everybody on the podcast. There, uh, this is Black Bart. I'll be on there next week. Hell yeah. Uh, That's that's okay, it's brother. All good. I, I, I love I love you, Bart. I love you, brother. Later. Bye. Well, that is confirmation. Well, that that next next <laughs> week, next week we're gonna have the legendary uh, Black Bart on the show. Probably uh, one of the greatest shoot <laughs> interviews you could possibly you, have you, on a on a wrestling podcast. I'll tell you what, you better you better tune in because uh, Bart don't pull no punches, man. He, he gonna tell the, he gonna tell it how he saw it. He's he, he he interrupted the podcast just to confirm. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, we were supposed to. We were scheduled to maybe do it today, but you know, like Rick said. It, he was watching Cowboy Show. He was watching Yellowstone and Band of Brothers, bro. <laughs> yeah, I totally I get it. If someone uh, tried, if someone tried to get me to do something while I was watching Star Trek Discovery, <laughs> fuck off. I'm fucking. <laughs> oh gosh. But um, uh, to kind of get back to the subject, uh, like honestly, like you use. The you need resources. a good venue. Yeah, use the resources that they have. Don't be afraid to ask the people at wherever you're running your shows, hey, you got an email list. Can can I 
email them or would you guys like to email them? I'll, I'll you know, I'll put an email together for you. Yeah. You know? I mean, uh, they, he's done a great job. I was pushing on social media and I know that he was letting everybody know. And they've got a really uh, loyal fan base over there at Oak Island Brewery. Yeah. So, uh, and I need to put this out there cause I, I, I have gotten messages over the, the, the COVID, uh, situation. Uh, uh, everyone at the, at the brewery was required to wear a mask. If they got up from the table, they were kept, uh, uh, the tables were kept spaced out. The comics had their own green room area. We could have got another 50 people in there. We could have, we, we honestly could have now, but here's the thing. So I, I see people on Facebook judging these, these crowded events and everything. And I, I get it. I understand it. It was appropriate like last year, maybe a little bit after the pandemic started, but people, and and I'm not doing this in an aggressive fashion or, or trying to, you know, shame anyone for having judgment, but I want to put this thought out there that this is the new norm. That's what this is. I did my part for a year. Chris has done his part for a year. Uh, but eventually, I didn't get it? Did you get it? I I haven't. I mean, it's only been a day. Chris, chill out, chill out. If we get it, we get it. But no, I'm saying all year, all year. I mean, we could have. We could have just been asymptomatic and not fucking know it. It's it's possible. But it's possible. Yes. at the same at the same time, this is the new norm. The vaccine isn't a cure. The vaccine is just uh, keeps you. It's a preventative measure. measure. So this is just like this is the new flu. This is just the new bug, the new thing, the tetanus shot, what 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 have you. We can't just stay inside and wait for years time to th- for this to pass. Uh, you know, my my wife uh, has been busting her ass to pay the bills, and and you know after about a year, I said you know I gotta contribute. I don't feel right. I know I'm high risk, but I can't just cower. And I'm not saying it's a, it's like if you stay inside, you're afraid or anything like that. It was just for me personally. I got to get back to the things that makes me money, so that and so that my wife can do whatever she wants to do to for her passions and everything. And as long as I stay safe and try to do my thing. Uh, you know, that's just the risk I'm willing to take. Well, we, t- we, t- we took, we've taken measures mm-hmm. and we, uh, you know, everybody was required when they walked in to wear a mask, when they sat down in their tables Absolutely. with their party, they took their masks off so they and, could eat and drink know, right? and, and everything. And, uh, and oh man, unbelievable barbecue there last night. Oh my, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, Misty, oh my gosh. Misty had that brisket sandwich, Ooh. but I do have a bone to pick with you, sir. Okay. Um, I ran into Bridget, your wife. Yeah. Lovely person. Great person. Um, she so had a couple cocktails or so. Well, I don't, you were worse. Uh, <laughs> but so we, uh, Chris and I did this show at Stomping Ground, uh, comedy theater, a wonderful comedy venue in Dallas called 51st Jokes. It was at the beginning of the year where you told your first joke of 2021 and I was underdressed because uh, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't I look at the weather. Into, yeah, I talked you into doing the show anyway. You talked me into doing the show. You did. You did. And you weren't, you weren't dressed for cold I, weather. I needed, I needed a jacket. I needed something to keep me warm. And we went over to your house. And at first, you were going to try to, you, you, you guys were trying to give me your six four sons jackets, and that would have just swallowed me. And then Chris's wife Bridget gave me this coat to wear, and it was the most phenomenal coat, most comfortable coat. And I looked really her coat, her coat, her coat, 
Her this coke was, this from was about probably 15 years ago. 15 years ago. It was a wonderful coat. I had the BBC had seen me in this coat. They would have cast me as the next Doctor Who. That's how good it looked. You don't get that reference, but somebody will. Who? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I was just like, oh, man, I'd love this coat. Chris told me, oh, she's not going to give it to you. Sentimental attachment, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. Come to find out out of a conversation with Bridget last night that it is in a box and she plans it's, on giving it, it to me. not in a box. No, no, no. It's, it's hanging up. I believe her. Okay. <laughs> And, and she, listen, she's just trying to throw me under the bus. Oh, me. and she did. And I don't know if you know this, but she gets a kick out of that shit. She said, I think I'm going to give Danzy this coat. And she said that you said, nah, he's an asshole. I never did. Dan, I would never say that. That's bullshit. No, but honestly, What makes it, you different than bro- hundreds of others? <laughs> That's the truth. You know, uh, I get it from everyone. I no, don't. man, if if uh, if if I would have said that behind your back, I'd have said it to your face. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Maybe you didn't say that, but if you guys uh, really don't want me to have the coat, no, I'm no, fine. No. Uh, that, but if I told if I, her, I was like, I called her. Okay, so today, but if I can have so today the coat, when we were texting, I was picking my son up from uh, from a workout, and uh, and, and I go. I was texting, and I, I called her, and I go, you better get that coat together. Dan wanted this fucking coat. <laughs> Y'all shouldn't have gotten drunk. Y'all shouldn't have gotten drunk and told me I could have the coat. <laughs> no. Well, no, but, but, no, but, but, I mean, I don't care. It's, it doesn't fit me. It fits it, me well, very and, and it doesn't fit her Did you? Either. You remember You remember when you told Misty and Tony about the coat last night? You were pretty inebriated, but you were telling the story. Well, thanks, we put that coat on Dan, and he looked like a model. <laughs> Uh, if I said that, I was definitely drunk. Oh, you were so hammered. I was surprised we got paid in the correct amounts. <laughs> Listen, it's not over yet. I you don't were, know what's still in the pocket of my coat. Well, <laughs> you were you were so drunk and happy, I thought you were going to overpay us. I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Like it, That's probably the first time I've been moderately out of control. It was time. it but, was a uh, happy celebration but, and you didn't well, drive home and it's here's, fine. Here's the deal. Is that uh, I it was it's been a stressful couple of days for me. I you and and I understand that. And uh you know working with you and Tony and then working with Paul Varghese, I realized who fucking destroyed it last dude, night. Dude, ever all you guys killed it last night. And uh and I had a fucking average set as bad at best. And Oh shut up. But um it makes me realize ah God man, I got a lot of work to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To see Paul, who I don't know has been in the business probably as long as you, uh, probably fifteen years or something. He's been doing it about probably like four or five more years than me. So like eighteen to twenty years. Golly. Maybe. And and that just to see the comfort <laughs> and the flow and the the flow. No, honestly, you <laughs> I, love, know I just love how you said flow. It's just like it's it, it's incredible. And here is what really hit me today. If there's any tampon commercials that need a new spokesman, <laughs> that flow, flow, flow was amazing. <laughs> I am. You can hire me for voiceovers. Um, this is just what I realize is that I need time on stage, and I need more time on stage. Um. Here's what really has hit me is that what I, there's nothing that's going to make me better but keep doing this 
and time. If you're harping about uh, your quote average set, which wasn't, it was more than average. It was a it was a great set. If you're harping on that, man, when you get into the clubs and it's that fucking Thursday show, Chris. Yeah, I know. Whoo, you. Oh man, you're gonna know what a bad set is. Well, you know, as a host, it's kind of your job to kind of go up there and take the bullet and warm them up. You and, and you took the bullet, you pulled the bullet out, and you threw it right back at them, <laughs> and that's what you want in a host. Uh, to get up and to hear music in my ear. Okay, yeah, that was that was a little bit, but when they got the music, so when Chris went up, I guess they didn't turn the the music goes in two rooms in OHB, and I guess they they didn't turn the music down enough. Uh, w- like when, literally, when the set I could hear the words of the song. It, and I, I didn't help by singing along. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I oh love my, Rod Stewart. I, like, I can't oh help myself. Oh my god. <laughs> Am I hearing music? <laughs> Am I hearing music? Like, goddamn, Brad, turn the fucking music off. Well, it's, I mean, it's the first show. No, yeah, that's the and first if that's, show. If like, that's the only fucking like, mishap. Yeah. And, and, and these learn, and listen, we look, it was a killer show last night. It was a lot of fun. To, but here's what really hit me is to realize that I need, like, years. I need years and years and years to do this. And here's what really got me in a panic is that the only thing I don't have is time. Mm. No, you got time. I know, but you got to realize, Dan, like, you've been in the business for 15 years. You're Quit th- reminding I know, me. but you're 33 <laughs> years old. Oh, you're talking about age, dude. Like, fucking 62 is the new... <laughs> Fucking, fucking 62. 62 is the new 83. You're fine. <laughs> so, you know, it it, I, it puts me in a panic. Like, it makes me anxious. See, don't, I mean, and I, I've worked with several people, way, like, just older than me, your age, uh, uh, older, and they don't worry about that. You can't worry about that. All you got to do is... It's just have fun with what you're doing, and don't stress on how old you are. Don't stress about aches and pains. Don't stress about, and that's what they would tell me when I got. If you if you stay in comedy long enough, just have fun. Don't worry about your age. Don't worry about if you're gonna make it. Don't worry about if you make enough money to retire. Don't worry about that shit. You just have fun. Yeah. Don't even think about your age. God, it's so tough, man. At least you don't have fucking gray hair. You don't look your age. I don't look my. You know, you, I I fucking. You know, you put some fucking Clairol in that shit. I don't. I don't put anything in this. I know you don't. Fucking goddamn color your fucking hair. This is, I'm, I used to when I was uh, when I was a teenager. I mess up the fucking bathroom. So anybody I lived with would be like, stop dyeing your hair. So I was just like, okay. And just let it grow. There was one time where I went all blonde. If you'll get it, if you get it, I'll pay for it professionally if you get it colored. Okay. You know what? I have been thinking about like uh, uh, getting it like an outrageous color, like. Uh, well, I won't pay for that. Like, well, then fuck off. <laughs> like, just fucking with like, you, like, like crimson red or just fucking crazy ass blue, well, just something I mean, you weird. Never know till you cr- try. I mean, I'd have to get it cut. I don't want it like long or just whatever. No, I'm not coloring my hair because I stand Dan out. Is prematurely gray. If you don't know Dan Dan's. No, color. well, no, it's 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 pretty like it's adequate now at my age to have this gray hair. Well, but when no, I was it's not, not thirty three, bro. Oh, bro, some people are balding in their thirties. No, I'm at, sorry, look at I this, didn't mean look to. At this. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> started balding when I was in high school. Jesus, really? I swear to God, bro. Wow. You remember that's when I started growing gray. So back in the 80s 
like Bruce Willis was really popular. Like he just kind of come on the scene with this show called Moonlighting. No, I remember. Yeah, Moonlighting. And this was before he did the before Die, die the Hard, Die yeah. Hard, and all that stuff. So. And he had this like little. He, he, had, he actually he, had he did receding. Moonlight, and his very first movie was actually Blind Date. It wasn't even oh, right. you remember that? It wasn't even a action movie. He was a comedy with uh, I want to say it was Brooke Shields, where he goes God. on a, he goes on a blind date. I want to say it was Brooke no, Shields. It wasn't it was um, it was hold on it was it was very Kim funny. Bassinger. Kim Basinger, yeah, 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 yeah. And she ends up she being a wild tr- drunk. I remember that And now. is ruining his life yes, with yes. each place they go. That yes. was his first movie huh, yeah. before the action movies. So anyway, he had, these, he had a receding hairline. He yeah. had the, like the little island of hair. Mm-hmm. That's what my hair looked like in high school. Well, it looked good on Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. It looked good and, on me until it all... I wasn't there. I got, a, <laughs> I got a crew cut and it looked like the crew bailed out. Oh, <laughs> We got to get. But, you know, listen, I I, I mean, I I don't know how to turn it off, Dan. I don't know how to turn off that panic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm working on borrowed time. Did you did you have fun last night? (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. But that's how you write it out. I know. I was. Oh, you weren't stressed when it was all done and said at the the end, you know, and I was probably trying to drown my stress a little bit. In fact, the, uh, one of the owners of OHB came over to me, Brad, a real good buddy of mine. We coached our kids in football and stuff. And and he was like, put his arm around me. He's like, hey, man, what's going on with you tonight? Mm-hmm. Like, he could see, well, you see when I was stressed out. You're definitely going to be on borrowed time if you stress out like that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Look, and look, I, look. I, I got to turn, I got I got to try and figure out how to stop, stop looking at myself All right. through my age. Okay, so. Are you happy with how everything went last night? Yeah, man, I'm, I was okay. ecstatic. People were happy, and it it, um, it makes me want to. I'm about to. Do I'm, more. I'm about to so. kill that panic right okay. now, live on the well, recorded right here on the podcast. <laughs> so you're happy with everything last night? Are you happy? Uh, uh, of course, you want more, but are you happy the way the podcast is going? Yeah. Are you happy the way your comedy's going? How you're progressing? Um. It's don't be modest. Don't be humble. No, I know, you, but it's never for me. It's never enough. It's. I know you want more, but right now it's a pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome uh, for the, for progression the, for the for the. I feel like the advantage that I do have with my age is that I had. I've lived a life. Yeah, and that's something to write about. Yeah, and something to talk about on stage, which is I think one of the things that young comics struggle with. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have to have that struggle in addition to ha- already being comfortable getting in front of people. Okay. And so I kind of felt like I had a little bit of an advantage that, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy with like, you know, uh, is your family, is your family happy and proud of you? I don't know. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I talked to Bridget last night. They are. Okay. So what could you possibly be panicked about? I mean, age is just a number, and again, as long as you're having fun, the only, the only, the only direction to go is up. Yeah. And you just, if you stress out, if you panic, just whatever, you're more likely to make a mistake than if you're just relaxed and having fun. Well, and I think that's probably might have been why I felt felt like I had an average set last night. It's because I was stressed. Well, you didn't. I know, but you know? but I was stressed out and like I didn't like I didn't kill it like I did on that showcase. You know what I'm saying? Well, but you know, but it was it's a different venue. It's a different venue. 
All right, you're not biting. You didn't bite the bullet at that showcase. But I gotta, I gotta continue to learn those things and know that, regardless of the venue, I have to, uh, you know, like I got, I can't, I can't let that throw me. Yeah. Like, and that's probably one of the things that in the experience that I have in the comedy business that I. You know, once again, it's, it's all fucking time. I kinda, it's, it's time doing it for, more and more and more. For the next the show, it's going to give me be- better. For, for the next show, I'll host it and I'll show you that even I uh, and I will have a worse set. I will have an absolute worse set. Because you fucking slayed last night. Yeah, and but I, if I, I if I you. had started, if I had hosted the show, Chris. Right. Like, that would have been a terrible introduction to the show with my material and how I You're am. absolutely right. When I was an opener at Hyenas, I had to completely change the attitude. Fucking, I had to smile every now and then. I right. had to be more upbeat. Which is not really your kind I, Yeah, it's, dark, more, it's uh, more dark, angry, macabre, little curmudgeon. Yeah, yeah, macabre yeah that's the sense act. of humor, right? Yeah. Right, and I'm completely different. I'm the... I'm the you know, I'm the jovial fucking happy dude. Yeah, you know, right. And but over time, you know, that's gonna evolve. Well, and that's what I need to do. I need. To, that's like I, I know I'm probably ready to be hosting. I think you are. And uh, at the at you know at the clubs here in town and opening for you know big names. I I, th- I think you are. And I'm I'm pu- I've been putting the word out, and this is a and and the and fact it's that, only time. It's just yeah, time. We just got to stop sucking our own dicks on our our podcast. We're starting to moan right now. We're starting to moan as we some maybe slobber. Hey, did I mention we're gonna have Black Bart on? The- Black Bart is next week. <laughs> hey, so what's going on with uh, it's, oh, what's dude. going on with wrestling, man? Dude, like you told me something today. It's Fucking a, oh, so I just read this. Dude, report. the business of wrestling. Hold on, if you if you are a WWE fan right now, oh, Jesus, I don't see how you could be. I and if anybody, maybe if a WWE employee listens to this, whether you're a wrestler or a corporate, you can't really get on podcasters for criticizing your company right now. No, but you can email us. You can email us at countinglikespodcast at gmail So there was a WWE corporate meeting. All right, this is corporate, no wrestlers. And this is the office guy. This is the office. They so go to probably, Stanford, Connecticut. There probably are wrestlers, old wrestlers, probably involved in it. But. Maybe. I, I. I mean, I. I can't name anybody specifically. So they had a big corporate meeting, and morale was very low when people were walking out of that meeting. They told corporate employees that no one's getting promotions, bonuses, or raises. Now, keep in mind, they just made a billion dollars off the WWE Network deal <laughs> with NBC. That's kind of tough to on swallow. On Peacock. And you're not going to... Fu- you're going to take all that away from your fucking corporate employees. The backbone... Really, the backbone of your business. Yeah. You want to say it's the wrestlers. Fine. But really, without people in the offices running the marketing, running the social media, running the business strategies, yeah. all that shit, you just made a billion dollars and you're not going to – this reminds me when uh, the pandemic started and they released all those wrestlers right. because of, quote, money, and then they just pulled half a million dollars out of their savings. It was just like, wait a minute. 
why did you get rid of all these wrestlers if you have, like, a huge-ass savings? And then you read about how Stephanie sold her stock for, like, millions of dollars, and Triple H sold his stock for millions of dollars, and it's just like, what the, what the fuck are you... Well, that's that, that's that fucking... I, I don't see how people could be a fan of this company. I really don't. Uh, you know, it's gotten so goddamn big, bro. Well, did you ever think, now you, as a former wrestler, did you ever think that fans would know the results of corporate meetings? No. <laughs> Hasn't the day no. and age changed? No. Back in your day, were, no. were there ever corporate meetings? Was there? <laughs> well, yeah, but they, you know, they were like held in, you know, a fucking 10 by 10 room. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fucking mop closet. Right. They didn't have to have a, it's fucking. It's some know, fucking elementary school. We go, uh, all right, we got to have a meeting. Let's go to Fritz's office. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And for, you know, Fritz was already gone. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, but that's, I mean, that's what they called it, you know, in the sport. Back when that was go, wrestling. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, listen, uh, I'll, I'd like to recommend a book, Terry, and I'd like to recommend it to you. You, yeah, you yeah. learned a, a whole hell of a lot. Absolutely. Um, the book is The Death of the Territories, I think. Death of the Territories? Yeah. I've heard about that book. Um, I'm telling you, it was terrific. And I'm an audible guy because I'm fucking he can't heart read. retarded. Yeah. No, um, no, no. He, he, Chris can read. He just, you know. He's a wrestler. Well, stop signs and shit. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a sign that says pots. I don't understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, Death of the Territories um, by Tim Hornbaker. Death of the Territories. Yeah, is that his name? Goes, Let me read that yeah. name. Hold see on. Because right. that, that seemed like something you misread. Let me see, <laughs> Let me see this. Where, where is it? The, right Death of the Territories. Tim Hornbaker, that is his name. That is because I will fuck up a name. Bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just making sure. It wasn't we're lucky. A... We're lucky. I got through Paul Varghese. No. you know, you did a wonderful job. <laughs> you did a wonderful job. But uh, yeah, man, listen, it will teach you step by step about the wrestling business mm-hmm. and all the way up to fucking the death of WCW. Okay, so I'm it's... gonna I'm gonna recommend a comedy book to you. Uh, it's it's Born Standing Up by Steve Martin. I've read it. You've read it. Fuck oh, yeah, okay. Bro. Then never mind. Fuck me. I'm good. <laughs> it's yeah. a great book. So you're already on the correct path. I don't. I don't need to. I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> I don't know if you can name a comedy book I haven't read. Oh, okay. Um, American Scream, the Bill Hicks story. I have not read that. That's a great that. one. We'll put that in my Audible list. They have two books on Bill Hicks: Love All the People, which is just all of his routines and his letters and everything like that he wrote down. But American Scream is a really like good inside story on his career from, you know, eyewitness account, you know, people that he knew. Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. That's great. That's a good one. Now I never found like Lenny Bruce to be funny. Yeah, he's was, not. He's not like he a was, killer. No, he's nineteen fifties funny. Yeah, nineteen fifties no, funny, right. but he. But it was the edge that he carried. It was yes. the controversial well, stuff he that he was doing. He stopped. You know, back then it was uh, set up punchlines. Mm-hmm. Set up punchlines with no vulgarity. Right, and well, he and, was the and he went. He was the first step taking towards what we do today because absolutely. he was like. Oh, uh, you know, I was in this little town. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he was telling basically kind of 
I don't know why this happens, you know, but, you know, I mean. Yeah. And, and, and George, and these people George are, Carlin basically did what he did just in the form of, okay, well, now we're on television. Now we're in right. a media market where we're not allowed to say these certain Seven words. dirty words. Absolutely. And then George Carlin took it even further, dropping the hippy-dippy weatherman. Right. And, and being, uh, uh, being more satire, being more, uh, uh, I hate to say it like this, but as Carlin got older, if we were gonna do, if we were gonna describe comedy acts by gimmicks, uh-huh. I would say Carlin's gimmick up until the day he died. Well, when his wife died to when he died, as kind of like a bitchy old man, but like the smartest old man yes. in the room. You know, yes. his, his bits were clever, clever and and just well like, uh, and he would still do some of the the old school stuff like when he was doing like the infomercial mottos all in one bit like all of those infomercials that you see right. with the uh, 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 supplies well you know like yeah. and he did that into one bit and this was like one of his last specials he was doing that I I always admired George Carlin because he never got senile which is not you know no one yeah. can control when they go right. senile but he was a genius up until the day he right. died he knew his act he knew his audience and almost wrote a new act every year no, yes almost wrote a new act every year um, that's probably what kept his to, mind going had to change an act because he wrote he wrote uh he wrote something that was supposed to premiere i can't remember the name of it but it was supposed to premiere the day after 911 <laughs> Holy shit. And it it was something that he had to go back and rewrite and everything, and it came out the next year. Um, God, just fucking, I don't think there's, as far as consistent writers go, I mean, now Bill Burr tries to put out a special every year, Chappelle, all that, I, but I don't think anybody could do it as consistently and as well as George Carlin. I don't know, what do you, of course, now this, this, this is an opinion thing. But, like, what do you think these these guys that write, you know, do specials constantly, consecutively, like Bill Burr and, you know, and a lot of the large, you know, uh, the 150 fucking rich comedians in this world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, what do you think, like, is it, is it, like, I don't think you can polish an act well enough in a year. Like, I think, like, in... Like when you and Slade were talking, like Slade was like, "Hey man, I can hit bass, you know, I can hit bass yeah. hits all day long, you know, is when it comes to writing jokes." Yeah, but when but it comes gotta, to home runs, yeah, like you gotta polish that shit. What is the number? Two years? Three years? I see, and, and that's why people. Uh, that's why most comics move to New York because when you have that many open mics around you during the week. Right, it's a faster progression. Well, and and it's not in Los not, Angeles. Yes, not even just that they're. Uh, it's not even. It's like they're actually doing real shows mm-hmm. and polishing. Yes, yeah, sometimes material. T- sometimes doing f- four or five shows in in a night. And and something to take account, they're going around the country doing these shows, and that's so the, they're getting that's the way to polish it. That's that why. is the way to polish it because if you're going to be on a national TV special. Then to work on that material, you got to travel around the nation. It's got to. You got to see what Wyoming yeah. thinks. You right. got to see what Milwaukee thinks. Right. You, you know, different cities, different people, different atmospheres. I mean, the way people in Dallas live is totally different than right. the way people in Portland, right. Oregon live. Right. 
But when you when when it lands and everybody's laughing from different areas at one joke and it's murdering everywhere you go, you got a solid bit. Okay, so here's it. But to do it for a year, for one, I don't know how George Carlin did it because George Carlin, when he got into his his later age, I I feel like he was using his TV guest spots to really work on that material because gotcha. he wasn't traveling a right. lot right. in his later years, but he still, and that's why I'm considering him. I mean, I think I'm not the only one that considers him probably next to Richard Pryor the greatest fucking comic to right. ever walk yeah, amongst yeah. us. I agree. I agree. It was, it was uh, and that's one of the reasons it was, why it was his first HBO special mm-hmm. in the eight, in the eighties that caught my eye and yeah. made me think. Oh, now you know it's like you know the whole bit about uh, you know you get a place and then you got to get stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. And then, but then if you go on vacation, then you take some of your stuff with you. Mm-hmm. you know, that whole that whole bit about you know, it's like holy shit, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah, how are you looking at this? What eyes are you looking at this through that I didn't see that? You know, just it's one of the, the, and this is why I believe in in something greater than ourselves because there's just some people that get into their craft and they can just work it so well. You all, you just, you say to yourself, they were born to do that. Right. And George Carlin was one of those people. like, he was born to talk into a microphone. Yeah. One of the other things that stresses me out on a daily basis. Oh boy. <laughs> what? We got to talk about it because like, I, like I need it. I need this. If you kind say of Puerto Ricans, <laughs> I'm just going to, all right, end the podcast. This went off the rails. Because uh, that would never come out. Yeah, no, I know. This Not is... in public. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> no, go ahead. I know this is something that, that probably shouldn't stress you out. You, you, you just... Here's the deal. I um, used to be a little stressful. Um, so. Like, now that I've had a little bit of, you know, kind of in the comedy community here and, and people kind of, you know, you get, start to get a, like, People wouldn't give me the time of day. Comics that are that are working right now mm-hmm. wouldn't give me the time of day. And now you know they're like, oh no, now they're liking the pictures well, of. Well, the, no, yeah, no, it's, no, it's not just go that. Ahead, it's ahead, just that it's like you know when I'm around the clubs, like they're they accept me a little bit more. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's a good feeling to know that because you're paying your dues, right? And so um, it stresses me out that like as a guy who wants to do this full time. Mm-hmm. That I can't do it full time right now. I got. I, gotta, I don't st- think I got to still have a job. You I know mean, what I'm saying, and like, that takes a while. Yeah, and, and especially you know, I mean, I'm a middle aged guy, and you know, I got bills, and mm-hmm. you know, and I got a kid who's in high school or was going to be in high school next year, and like, uh, uh, you know, I got a lot of responsibilities, and I can't let those responsibilities go to the wayside while I'm pursuing what I really want to do. Yeah. Now in my twenties. In the pro wrestling business, I didn't have those responsibilities, and so I could just willy nilly, you know, yeah, take a barbed wire bat to the guy, right. yeah. go, well. go do what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and uh, so it does stress me out on a daily basis. Well, for me, nightly basis when I go to work, and I got to do my regular job. When in my head, all I want to be doing is going and hitting mics. Well, but th- I mean, you're not alone in that. 
you know, in your while you're working in your head, you're thinking of jokes or in your head, you're thinking of the next show or right. in your head, you're like, what, how can I have the next show happen? That's completely normal. Right. Um, back in the day, God, when we after like the Comedy Texas open mic, a headliner would be in the room. It was more militant teaching. And I, we brought this up with Slade, but it was it was more like just the drill sergeant type of comedy training. It's like, mm. why, why the fuck are you telling that joke? Blah, blah, blah. And how do you think that would have run if I was there? Oh, you would have, t- you would have just fucking taken it, dude. <laughs> I've seen, no, uh, I love her, so she won't mind me mentioning it. Caroline Picard, uh, who, if you've, the Cajun queen, for example, she could make the toughest motherfucker, toughest looking motherfucker. It didn't matter if you were like a, former, if you were a military vet, whatever, she could just break you the fuck down to where it's like, well, shit, next time Carolyn's in, Caroline's in the room, I gotta have a fucking good set. She, wow. it used to be like, oh, so you, you're starting that, that out. Makes me, that makes me feel like shit. She, you're starting out in comedy, huh? Yeah. you married? Yeah, quit. Why? Oh, you're never gonna make it in comedy if you're married. There's too many obligations. Too many fucking, you have kids? Yeah, quit. But it wasn't, she didn't really mean it. Right. She was just letting you know, well, here's what you got in your way. Be smart about it. Right. And it's not that kids or family are in the way or anything, but if you want to pursue it, you got to know, hey, you've got some responsibility to carry along. Right. This isn't going to be, it's not going to be as fun as you think it is. You got to be smart. You got to keep your head on straight. All right. And if you really want to make, you got to get better. You got to get better because now you've got something behind you to to carry with you. Yeah. You know, she didn't really mean quit, but that was just her way. No, but I've heard that. I've heard that. Um, I watched a comedy documentary. God, what was the fucking name of that? There's so yesterday. many fucking comedy documentaries. Uh, this though. one was uh, um, three comics. Uh, are you familiar with Acme Comedy Club? Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So the guy who runs the Acme Comedy Club, and I believe it was in Chicago, maybe um, Acme Comedy Club. He's a he's a, he's a Chinese guy. Okay. Now, now uh, I would have said Asian, but he's really from China. Yeah. So um, he takes. I would have said Asian and just been a stereotype, right, but uh, no, right. I'm but going no, to properly. Yeah, good no, for you, Chris. He was Chinese. Good for you. So um, he took three. And this is made probably 2016, maybe. Okay. Um. So what's that? Four or five years ago. Yeah. So, and it was, uh, one of the comics was Tom Segura. Okay. And I'm not really familiar with the other two, but they were killers. And Can you remember their names? Um, I'll have to look it up. Okay. I okay. can't remember them. Don't names. worry about it. Anyway, and I can't remember the name of the documentary. But <laughs> <laughs> so, so, we're talking about nothing, basically. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> well, you, I mean, there are some comedy documentaries where, you, I mean, you've seen them one, you've seen them all, and it's really just different perspectives of the same thing. And that concludes part one of The Coat of Many Comics. Thank you guys so much for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Counting underscore Lights. Send us an email at CountingLightsPodcast at gmail.com. Tune in Friday for part two of The Coat of Many Comics. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, for Counting Lights Podcast, thank you for listening. He's Chris Germany. I'm Dan Danzi. This is Counting Lights Podcast, where comedy and wrestling lock up.